Buongiorno and welcome to my podcast, My Way of Thinking, or My What for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every Monday. Hope you're all doing well. Now, you may notice if you're watching on YouTube, I do have some merch. Look at this. My What merch. It's a very fashionable black cap with hashtag My What. <laughs> Someone got me this as a present. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is bang out a few thousand, sell them ten or a piece, job gooden. So if you'd like to look, if you would like to look like an absolute tool like me, then uh, <laughs> let me know and I'll get you. They don't look that bad actually. Just needs a bit of finessing. My what? So there you go. That's what I've been up to. Getting uh, merch for my what? I'm only joking, of course. Um, now. I hope you are all doing well and getting ready for Crimbo, which is coming up. Got some brilliant interviews. Uh, now, I'm always thinking it's all about us, amusing, amusing, amazing human beings that all have a story to tell. Those stories can be uh, very massively with the guests I'll be interviewing. You'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Now, remember, there's only four rules on the podcast. One, no bullshitting. Two, no judging. Three, no negativity. And four, have fun. Now, today I am talking to Eric M. Twiggs. Now, Eric M. Twiggs is a procrastination expert. Ooh. Now, this interested me um, when this guy got in touch because I am the worst for procrastination. Uh, and if you want to know the simple um, description of procrastination, I can't even say it, procrastination, it's basically not being bothered to get off your ass and do anything. <laughs> you know, when you're supposed to do something and you sit down, you start watching this morning with a cup of tea, that's procrastination. Uh, now, Eric's wrote a book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And I was really interested to ask him about this. And he's just, he's just got so many uh, brilliant ideas and thoughts and tips that we can all take on board so i really enjoyed this this interview so make sure you keep listening in this is me speaking with eric so welcome to eric eric twigs uh all the way from baltimore maryland are you eric you okay i am fantastic excellent welcome to more way of thinking thanks ever so much for agreeing to come on to the uh, podcast today hey thank you for having me it's an honor no problem whatsoever. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Now, first of all, before we start, I wanted to do a few. I always talk, when I talk to my guests, especially if they're across the globe, I like to talk about some fun facts that you may be aware of. And obviously, I think your offices, we just said, are in Baltimore and you're in, you're in Maryland. So let's have a quick look and see if any of these ring true with you because usually this this is terrible because i'll say some facts and the person living there is like i didn't know that <laughs> now are you a baseball man or a football man well i mean i follow all sports um but primarily i'm football but yeah i follow all sports so do you follow the ravens then because they're they're um yes they're bol- yeah okay right yes. well apparently uh babe ruth was a Baltimore native. This is baseball, of course. Uh, he originally played for the Towns Minor League uh, before he was scooped up by the Boston Red Sox. He developed his love of game at St. Mary's Reform School, where his powerful hits 
occasionally damage school property. Did you know that? I'd heard stories about that, yes. Intre- he, he sounded like some guy, didn't he? He could hit that ball, couldn't he? Yeah, he was just ahead of his time. Yeah, you know? yeah. In, the, in that era of baseball, it wasn't really about the long ball. It was about the singles and getting contact. But he just really just changed yeah. that dynamic. Yeah. And talking of elite athletes also, which I didn't realize, is Michael Phelps. He, uh, the most decorated Olympian of all time, he's Baltimore native. He, he uh, earned his name, the Baltimore Bullet. Mm-hmm. Did you ever ever meet him, bump into him walking around the road? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no, <laughs> never got to be, haven't met him yet. I'm, I'm sure it's coming, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you'd know, I bet he's tall. He's going to be tall, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, now, this is an interesting one, which I thought was interesting. Uh, some jazz greats hail from the heart of Baltimore. Singer Billie Holiday grew up in the city before making her way to Harlem with her mother. Jazz singer and big band man Cab Calloway also hails from Baltimore, where he decided to pursue an entertainment career against his lawyer's father's wishes. Is it a real big music scene there, Eric? Um, I mean, it, it's not known for music, but I think you've got some really talented people uh, mm. that reside here and then go on to do big things elsewhere. Yeah, is jazz a big thing over there? Oh, certainly. certainly. Oh, is it? I've never, I've never really got into jazz. I'd like to get into jazz, uh, but I think it's one of those things you need to keep listening to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've got... Again, just like with sports, like I'm just when it comes to music, I mean, I just I, I can really get in the I can I can get in the rock, I can get in the country, I can get in the jazz. You know, it's just like I have this. Yeah, you know, I, I just have, I have an appreciation for this yeah. music. Yeah, but yeah. Jazz is really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now this is the most important fact I've worked out. The next time you and a friend crack open a six pack. Thanks, Baltimore, because apparently the town's national um, brewing, brewing company uh, began selling its brews by the half dozen in the 1940s. And the reason was company executives in Baltimore decided four beers was too few and mm. eight was too many. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. That, that, yeah. that sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that you, you guys invented the six-pack? I did not know that. No. <laughs> I am learning you something all the time. Now, the final fact, which I've got, uh, David Simon, the Wire showrunner. Have you ever watched The Wire? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, populated his beloved Baltimore set with real-life Baltimoreans. Uh, most memorably, uh, Felicia, Snoop Pierce, and The Fierceless. And the fierceless and fearsome member of the Marlowe Stansfield organization. So you've watched The Wire then, Eric? Yeah, that was one of my favorite shows when it was on. So good, wasn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, just, it, was just, it was just real. Yeah. And a lot of those neighborhoods, I would go through, I've been to quite a few of those neighborhoods where yeah. they actually did the filming. Yeah. So, so I, I have an interesting Baltimore fact if we have time for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Well, there's a restaurant, in the, it's one of my favorite restaurants. You know, they have great crab cakes. It's called the Rusty Scupper. Yeah. And the story behind the restaurant is actually the place where baseball legend Cal Ripken, that's where he met his wife, apparently. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's one of my favorite restaurants. They have great food. So the Rusty Scupper, if you're ever in Baltimore. Rusty Scupper, I love that name. You got to check it out. Rusty Scupper. 
Excellent. Anyway, that's enough more rubbish facts that uh, are probably complete lies on Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it anyway. has to be true. Hey, you know. hey it's got to be true. It's on Google. Now, look, excellent to have you on here today, uh, Eric. So, first of all, I was to speak to my guest. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Obviously, did you were you born in Baltimore or, or, or Maryland, and and where it all sort of started for you to where you are now? So I grew up in Washington, D.C. All right. Born and raised in Washington, D.C. You know, your typical middle class family. Uh, I, I think I developed a work ethic just from like watching my dad. Like yeah. my dad, he just got up, went to work, he came back, he just did what he had to do. And I think that just seeing that picture, and he was always involved in all these different organizations. And he wasn't just like, when he was in the organization, he was the president of the organization. Like every organization he was in, he was like a key member, whether it was a church or what have you. So that, that work ethic piece just stuck with me. And I find that like if I'm in something, I'm all in. Just because I think a lot of that just watching his example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can, my story as far as how I became your procrastination prevention partner, uh, that started when I was in college. And I talk about this in the book. So it was my senior year at Hampton University. Uh, I'm having this conversation with my good friend, Donnell. So, Lee, I have to tell you up front that Donnell and I were a little different at the time. So, Donnell, oh, he was all about his purpose, and I was all about the party. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and he would always get on me, and he would say, you know, Eric, you really need to get serious. You need to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I'm like, man, relax. We have plenty of time for that. Yeah, are yeah. Are you coming to the frat party with me or not? Yeah, yeah. And then so several weeks go by, Donnell and I don't talk. And I get a phone call from his mother informing me of the fact that he was killed in a car accident. Yeah, wow. How old were you then, Eric? I was like 21, 20, no, I just turned 22 when this happened. And, And that sent me a serious message. That told me that maybe I don't have the time that I think to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. And, and really, that's when I really started thinking about time management, procrastinating, how I can make the most of my time, how I can be the most productive. It really all started there. I mean, that's literally the experience that's responsible for you and I talking right now. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I speak to a lot of people how something just, you know, it's just a moment in time just something happens and it just can change the course of your life completely, can't it? Oh, for sure. For sure. And that did it. For sure. yeah, that, that was what changed it for me. And were you at college? So were you at college then, Eric, when this all happened? So when I got, I was in college when he and I were talking. No. By the time we, we had left and graduated and all that, I graduated. And when I got the word, I had started my work career by the time I had gotten the word that he had passed away. Yeah. But so here's the thing, like I thought I was supposed to just make as much money as I possibly could yeah, and, and you know, climb the corporate ladder as fast as possible. That's how I took that. Yeah. And so I started really pursuing success and I got to a point where you could say that I had arrived, right? I, I had the big car, I had 17 automotive service locations that I was responsible for. Yeah. We were winning all these re- awards for performance. But I remember it plain as day. One day I'm sitting at the light, I look in the mirror, and I remember seeing my eyes, and they were the eyes of someone 
who hated what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I felt like I had become successful, but I wasn't significant. Yeah. So that's kind of the next leg of my journey to get to where I am now. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great point there because you can be you know really successful, but what is success? It's not money, is it? It's not money and power. It's ha happiness is success. You know, happiness and how you feel within yourself. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's all about fulfillment. You know, are you really making a difference? Yeah, and the, the other the other thing with that, Eric, though, is so you're doing really well. You're, making, you're doing really well. You're making money. Uh, but you realize you're unhappy, but you still need to pay your mortgage. You still need to pay the bills. So what was your thought process there? Yeah, so that's why I procrastinated after that, right? So <laughs> it, it took me like three years to start really moving in a different direction. Yeah. Because So what happened was I, I, I started thinking like, okay, you know, when did I feel the most fulfilled? And, and I look back in my career, it was the times where I was doing public speaking. So there was a part of my career where I was a corporate trainer. I used to think, man, you know what? I could just do this all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. And so, but for three years, I started listening to the negative voices in my head where I said, okay, who's going to pay you to speak to their organization? What are you going to say that hasn't been said already? You know, all these negative thoughts. So for three years, I didn't do anything. Yeah. And then finally, I came across somebody who was in Toastmasters International the speaking organization. And I decided, you know what? At least I can do is join Toastmasters. Yeah. And I joined Toastmasters and I met somebody in Toastmasters who trained professional speakers. And I took that step. And then this, the steps just kept presenting themselves. And, and then here we are. Yeah. And it's funny, the way you say steps there, and I've spoke to, you would have heard this, you know, and I've done managerial roles before where you have the sessions and they say small steps. And it is true because at least if you're doing something towards your goal, um, but like you say, when you're not and you're procrastinating, those three years just go so quickly. You know, in them three years, you could have made so many little steps that would have got you so, so you know, is that true? Oh, it, it is true. And so my, uh, my podcast co-host and I, we always say, you know, the easiest thing to do is nothing. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so I, I didn't have all the answers figured out. So I figured, you know, hey, I'll, I'll just not do anything. But I, you have to move past that. Yeah. Time, time moves fast, doesn't it? When you're not doing anything, time moves fast. <laughs> Oh, for sure. For so sure. you start. So you start making these small steps. Then, so what? What? Uh, and you got in, in, included in Toastmasters. So what was what happened next? So in Toastmasters, so it was, it was the weird thing. Like again, I would talk to somebody and say, "You know what? You should enter this speech competition. That'd be a good idea." And I'm like, mm, "Okay." And then I'd go all the way to the finals. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just kind of like confirmation that I was in the right place. But then I met someone who belonged to the National Speakers Association. And they kept telling Eric, you need to really start coming to the National Speakers Association. So yeah. I did that. And then there's, again, another class for professional speakers. And I joined that. And then the person who ended up writing the foreword to my book, his name is Dr. Willie Jolly. I mean, he's internationally known. He's in the Speaking Hall of Fame. Yeah. He was. He happened to be a member of this, and and the the ironic thing is that he was like the person that I patterned myself after. He was like my first example 
of a great speaker, right? Yeah. So when I first said, you know what, I want to be a professional speaker, I remember I was talking to my dad. My dad says, this is the guy you need to be like. And he gives yeah. me this picture that's got Dr. Willie Jolly. Yeah. So then I get to the National Speakers Association, and every meeting I'm sitting next to Dr. <laughs> Willie Jolly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, you would think he would not have the time of day for me. You know, this yeah. guy is, you know, speaking of, and he's helping me with these things. Like he wrote the forward to my book, gave me all these tips. Yeah. So I, mean, I say all that to say is you just never know. And a lot of times you don't see the next step until you take the first step. Yeah, yeah. Anything's possible, isn't it, Eric, at the end of the day? You know, the world is an amazing place. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, what, that's what excites me so, so much. I mean, you just never know. Yeah, yeah. And what, so talk a bit about speaking then, Eric. What is it that you love about speaking? Is it the performance or is it the fact that you are coaching all these people? What is it? Well, yeah, I think you can really make an impact on people's lives. Yeah. And especially when you're telling your story. And I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that like I can run into somebody that saw me speak years ago. Yeah. And tell me the details of a story I told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like those, those stories really stick and they resonate with people. And you can really have an impact on somebody's life and their uh, their actions. I'm not, yeah, I love it. Do you, is it the performance aspect as well, though? I, you seem to me like a guy that just loves having a story and standing on stage and, and delivering a story. Well, you, you know what I had to learn? I, I learned that it's really, it's more about the audience and less about me. Yeah. So like, for example, when I, when I told you uh, I would do these speech contests, and I'm like your typical type A personality. I want to win. If I'm in a contest, I want to win. And I'm a, I had a mentor, a speech coach, and he would tell me, look, Eric, don't focus on winning the trophy. Focus on delivering the message in such a way that it's clear and the person has actionable items they can walk away with. And if you do that, then the trophies will take care of themselves. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was great, but I want to win. But, yeah. but no, I, looking back, he was 100% correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I try. I try to really apply that. I'm speaking. It's not about me. It's not about trying to be fancy. It's not about trying to be impressive. That's when things go wrong. Like if I look back at speeches that didn't go well, it was probably because I was trying to impress. I was trying to be Superman, but yeah. it's really, it's about that person in the audience. That's the bottom Yeah, line. yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, and then the, the other side of it is obviously the procrastination. Now, this has always interests me because myself, yeah, I do my podcast. I'm a filmmaker. I do bit, I'm, I'm all creative. I'm always doing creative things. But the reality is that a lot of things I do is through passion, not because uh, I'll get paid for it. Now, when you don't get paid for something, it is the easiest thing in the world to procrastinate. It's, you know, I don't get paid for it. Why should I do it? But for some reason, your passion, you know, pushes me. And some, but some days are harder than others. Tell us a little bit about that, Eric. What, what is it that, that procrastination, how does it get hold of you? Why is it such a pain in the ass? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I think it goes back to the easiest thing to do is nothing. I, I do think it helps to be passionate about whatever you select. Yeah. So like, cause I work with people who literally they, they own a job that they hate. 
they yeah. have a business, but they got into it because someone told them they could make a lot of money. It was a turnkey operation, but they hate it. And so they're not willing to put in the extra. I think you're more likely to procrastinate if you're in something that you really don't just enjoy. Yeah. Like, let, let, let's say, you know, if you're doing a podcast, I mean, there's just a lot of little behind the scenes work and effort. If you really want to get it out there. Yeah. You hate podcasting. <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to be more likely to procrastinate because yeah. one of the things that causes people to procrastinate is something called task aversion. Oh, right? it's, it's not that deep. It's just, you just don't like doing it. <laughs> you don't enjoy doing the task. So yeah. you just put it off. Yeah. Yeah. And what tips do you think you could give people then? So, you know, they get up in the morning, they've got something to do and they put it off. What, what are some good tips that can really fire you up? Do you think? Well, I think you need to look at what it is. And, and I wish someone would have told me this when I was starting out, that just because something has to be done, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it. Okay. Right. So you have to look at what you're doing. Are there things because I think we all have aspects, certain aspects we just don't like to do. You know, is, is it a matter of can you bring on a virtual assistant? Uh, and, and in most cases, the answer is yes. Hmm, yeah. You know, but we say no, but the answer is yes. So are there some certain little, like for me, I don't like a lot of the little details like yeah. scheduling and this and that. <laughs> so I, I have a great virtual assistant who does those little things to free me up to be in my zone of genius. So I think you need to look at the, the task that you don't like to do, does it line up with, with your ultimate purpose? Can you delegate it? Can you bring on a virtual assistant? Can you use technology? Um, and then, it, then I would say too, if it's unavoidable, you just have to do it, no way around it, you don't like it. Can you pair it up with a task that you do like? Mm. So for example, you know, let's say I, I don't like doing expense reports, but can I, while I'm doing my expense reports, can I be listening to an audio book at the same time? Yeah. So it's a productive activity. Yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah, I think I think that that's a good thing. I mean, like you say, technology is brilliant now. We can get virtual assistants. You know, I'm looking for a virtual wife so I can get rid of my <laughs> get rid of the wife. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, it is amazing how far technology is coming. I think that's good. You know, that is a good point. Now, so doing your speaking, your coaching and all that kind of thing. Where do you see that going in the future, Eric? What are you looking forward to going forward? So, I mean, I, I, I can see just continuing to do it. Um, I, I can see me doing more as far as coaching, more of the group coaching sessions where I get like-minded people together, where they're just not learning from me. They can learn from other people in the group. My, I do that from time to time, but I, I could see that developing. Um, I think the speaking is good. You're going to see more virtual platforms. Just I think just because of the time we're in, I don't see the virtual piece going away. And I, yeah. I think it's still going to be viable. So I think the key thing to understand there is that I think people are forgiving of certain virtual mistakes, right? So like, you know, let's say earlier this year, if you did a virtual thing and your lighting wasn't right, Maybe you're saying people are a little forgiving because it was new, but I think we're going to see going forward. The expectation is that you're almost like a, your own television crew. 
you know, the yeah. your lighting's gonna need to be right, your sound's gonna need to be right, your audio, you know. So, so that that's kind of where I see things going. Yeah, because I suppose that it's affected you quite a lot this year. Because if you're used to public speaking, all of a sudden you can't have crowds. So is that how you how have you developed your business? Are you doing it all online now? Yeah, I, I don't have a choice. It's um, so you know I would do the other thing. I, I would do a lot of book signings, mm. right? So I we we set up. We go to an event. People would buy the books, and then I. You know, then that would lead to other speaking engagements and coaching sessions. And but now, you know, most of these places are on lockdown, and it, so you, you can't really get out there. So now you have to be. So so the key thing is you can't stop. Yeah. You have to pivot. You know, you have to look at okay, yes, I can't get a thousand people in a room, but what now? What can I do? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's been in a way, it's been a nightmare, but it's also been good because people are starting to think a lot more on their toes. And when we do get back to normal, we'll have this as a side that we've you know implemented into our businesses as well. So you know, if anything, it's take the positive away from it. It's been a very challenging but interesting uh, time, should I say? Now, tell me a bit about your book. So obviously, your book. When did your book come out, Eric? So it came out in April of 2017. So the discipline of now 12 practical principles to overcome procrastination. So I I made it, it's different from the other books that are out there on the topic. You know, a lot of these books, they offer cookie cutter solutions. You know, you got to wake up at 3.30 (laughs) a.m. You you can't check your email until this time. But mine is, it's based off of, I don't care what your habits are. You can be a morning person. You can be a night owl. You can find specific tips based off of your current tendencies to help you to overcome procrastination. Right. Okay. So it's a lot more. Your book is more about beating procrastination um, by putting everyday things that work with you instead of against you and trying to have like a set routine. You know, this, this, and that is trying to blend things into your everyday life. Exactly. Exactly. It kind of works with, so like, for example, there's something that we talked about this just now a little bit here, but, it, but it's called your circadian rhythm, right? So yeah. some people are just naturally morning people. Some people are just, they get jazzed up as it gets later. But yeah. the key, one of the things we talk about in the book is to schedule your high priority activities during those times of day when you have the most energy. So, so you don't necessarily, because some of these, these books, they make you feel guilty if you're not the person that gets up at 3.30 in the morning and you've already run eight miles and all that other stuff. Uh, you don't have to be that. You, you can get up later and yeah. still you know, have, have, be productive and get the right things done. Yeah, that's, that's great advice, that is, Eric, because like you say, everybody's different. You know, and there's some of these books say, right, you must get up at half past five, get everything done then. You know, I do some writing sometimes and people are say, oh, get it done in the morning so you got the rest of the day. But I don't feel productive then. I feel productive sort of 11 o'clock. And that's, that's because of me. It's not because I'm lazy. It's just the way I work better. And you have to know that about yourself. And so, so one of my early struggles is I would try to write like later in the day. Mm-hmm. And it just the ideas wouldn't come to me. But then when I tried to write like early, because I'm, I'm an early morning person, when I would write early, then I could knock it out. You, yeah. you really have to know that about yourself. And the book helps you to heighten your awareness to that. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. And so then going forward, obviously things will get back to normal. Where do you see your company going in the future, Eric? Yeah, I, I just think we're, we're going to do more things internationally. That, that's really where I see it. And one of the things that since I've uh, since we've been in this pandemic, whatever you want to call it, I mean, I've, I've really made a lot of international connections. You know, I mean, I quite a few podcasts in England, in Australia, in Canada, in Malaysia. So, so I can see me speaking on more international stages and really just getting the message out uh, to help more people. So that, that's really where I, I see things going. I mean, I've got my podcast, a 30-minute hour, and, and even with that, I'm having international speakers and influencers that reach out to us all the time. So I, I really see us taking the message uh, more on a global scale. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, I think as well, you know, technology does allow us to do that. And it's great because in the past, you know, we may not have, if you've got a company and you want it to be international, you'd have to go out and you have to go to countries and have meetings. And now we can just talk all this over and you can get, and you can get to know someone. It's never the same as face to face. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it's, you know, it's the next best thing, isn't it? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and again, you know, I, I think, I don't think there's going to be a normal. I think it's going to be like the next normal. Yeah. We, I think things are forever going to be different. Yeah. But yeah. We, we're going to have a version of normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. be what we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And I always ask my guests if you could give some advice to someone who maybe is procrastinating or, uh, you know, is struggling to find time or, or do something. What sort of advice could you give, Eric? Here we go. The best piece of advice I can give is this. Don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. Mm, yeah. that, that was my problem. You know, it had to be perfect. So you know, I, I, didn't, I needed to have everything figured out. I needed to have all the questions answered before I moved. Mm. I think you just need to focus on the next step. And the next step could be as simple as calling someone who already has the results that you aspire to. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and that, that is a great point because I was thinking, I get people that will say to me, uh, oh, I'm thinking of writing a film. Uh, I've got this idea. And I always say, ideas are nothing, action is everything. Because we've all got great ideas, but what's the point if you're never going to see that film, you're never going to read about that book, because we've all got ideas. You've got to put pen to paper. And I think some people use perfect as an excuse to procrastinate. So they say, oh, I haven't thought of a title yet. And I'm like, why have I thought of a title? Get it ready. You can do a title next year. No one cares. And I think that is like you say, don't think perfect. Think, just get it done. Do something because... You know, those, I think it's such a shame when people have got these amazing ideas and we're never going to find out what they are. Now, and even, you bring up a great point, like from a writing standpoint, there are many blogs that I've written where either I didn't have a title at all or the title I had I wasn't clear on, but as I started writing, title came to me. Yeah. And so I went back and I, I put it, but I think it's just so important. One, one of the most helpful writing exercises I ever did well, I was in this little writing lab, and they said for five minutes, you know, you, you can't edit. You just have to write whatever comes to mind. I don't care how crazy it sounds. Just put it on paper and go. 
and I'm telling you that that really helped. And I was surprised at what I came up with. Just you know, because before I would try to write and edit, right, and, and then that's how you get writer's block. But the key is just go, just go with it. Yeah, great point. And I always, as well, ask my guests about a favorite. So this could be a favorite book or film or TV show or something like that. Just something that maybe you really enjoy and other people could watch or read. Um. So let's see. Let's go with a movie. Okay. Is that good? So, so what, like my favorite movie of all time is The Matrix. Hey, yeah. The first one. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was just such a such a game changer, and, and I just remember there was a, this scene between uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves where Neo, the main character, like he gets it, like he's like, you know what? I, I think yeah, I get it. I think I know the path. <laughs> And then Morbius says, I mean, this is like the greatest line ever. Morbius is like, you know what? There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Yeah. And that just stays with me and it really resonates with what I do. So I, that, that's like my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And it was quite groundbreaking as well when it first came out, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. It's, um, they're also filming the new one, aren't they? Or has that been halted because of the pandemic? Yeah, I would think it's been. Yeah, I didn't know they were coming up with another one. They already have like six of them now. <laughs> yeah, the first, the first one's the best. The classic, definitely. Sure. That that is a great, great shot, and I think people, yeah, should definitely watch it. Whether they understand it, <laughs> who knows? I think you have to watch it a couple of times to really, get, you'll pick up on things that you missed. Yeah, yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched it for ages. Um, and then the other thing I always ask is an inspiration. Is there a person uh, that you've always looked up to or, or you've inspired to be? Is there someone that you, you inspire to? Um, I would say my dad. Just oh, because, yeah. like, he's always, like, like, I've never seen him. He's in his 80s now. And, like, you know, life happens, you know, he's dealt with surgeries and illnesses and loss of loved ones and all the things you deal with, but I've never seen him like off kilter emotionally. Yeah. Like he's always, like you would never think he was going through something. He's always got that, he keeps, so, so that tone he brings, it keeps you from, you know, getting out of control because he's yeah. always so in control. So he, he inspires me that, you know, when I'm facing the challenges that I can be strong and, and, and that's the example that I have to, to model. That's, yeah, that's great inspiration. I love people like that. They've got a great energy, haven't they? And like you say, when things are tough, people like that are brilliant to bounce off because they just soak it up and they can just keep a level head, you know what I mean, and just carry on, which is, which is an awesome thing. But the quick story about my dad, right? This is really just highlights. Yeah. He, he was having a, he had a surgery. And so the, the doctors are like, you know, you have to take it easy. You got to relax. Just get rest. Any questions? And my dad is like, uh, okay, when can I start riding the bike again? <laughs> yeah. And that's, but that just sums it up. He, that, you know, he's, he's always trying to get back and, and that's that's an example of how I would respond. Now I know where I did it from. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's a great story. Brilliant. Well, look, what uh, if people want to get in touch with you or want to read the book, things like that? Where would they Where would they go, Eric? Great. So they can go to thedisciplineofnow.com. That's my website, and you can get the book. It's in paperback, ebook, 
in audio format. Um, you can also connect with me. I'm the president of the What Now Movement. And the whole point of the movement is to help people pivot. So for example, we're in a crisis. Instead of stopping, the key is pivoting and asking yourself, what now? So you can go to the What Now Movement Facebook group. It's free. We've got like 1,450 entrepreneurs and career professionals and authors. And we have we put out great content. And you can connect with me directly in that group, the What Now Movement group. Brilliant. That sounds great because I think, like you say, some people are struggling. Everybody's taking this pandemic differently. And, and people that are struggling might need that little bit of advice to say, you know, if they say, oh, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It helps if you've got all these people in a group where you compose something and they can say, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you, like you say, pivot? So there's always other ways, isn't there? You're never just stuck. Absolutely. Yeah, there's always an answer. Like you said, the key is just making that next pivot. Excellent stuff. Well, look, it's been an absolute joy to have you on today, Eric. Thanks so much uh, for coming on. And make sure when you do go internationally, come over the UK, pop in and, pop in and we'll have a chat. Um, and, uh, and maybe we'll you know, get in contact again next year and see, see where you are then, because I'm sure you, you are going to go international. I, would, you know, I think the way, the way you're going about things is, is brilliant, and it's definitely the way forward. Well, thank you, Lee. It's certainly been an honor and a pleasure to be on your show today. Absolute pleasure. Okay, Eric, take care and I'll speak soon. All right. Thank you. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Eric for joining me today and also for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next month, there are some extraordinary interviews. Uh, now, let me just tell you, there is one very, very special interview that I'll be doing, especially on the 20th of December at 6 p.m. Get it, get it booked in. For you and kids, I will be talking, and this is an exclusive to the real Santa Claus. <laughs> this is no joke. This is no joke. So make sure you listen into that because it's going to be awesome. This podcast, this podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. So please leave a rating on there and subscribe. It means a lot. To keep up to date, follow Facebook, which is My Way of Thinking podcast, and also Twitter, My Way of Thinking, with that a G on the end of three instead. Every week, I also put the whole conversation on YouTube. If you just put in My Way of Thinking podcast, that will pop up there. And finally, if you do want to get in touch or you think you'd be a great guest, then email me. It's mawatpodcast at aol.com. I hope you enjoyed that. Like I say, I've got some cracking interviews coming up over Christmas, so make sure you keep listening in. Until next time, God bless and take care.